You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. You never forget your first death. Veronica Daschle. Hi. And joining us this week, the host of Jettison Pod, Vandy Beth Glenn. Blindfolded saber fight. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back, Vandy Beth. Thank you. Yes, welcome. Thank, thank you for having me again. No You're problem. metamorphosizing. <laughs> uh, yes, I've got a cat coming between me and my microphone. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody has a cat with her, and Veronica has a dog. So as long as they don't look at the screen, we're going to be okay. <laughs> uh, Keith, did you have any this week in Trek this week? Yeah, they have a couple real quick that I want to run through real fast. Um, I found this pretty cool. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do three dates here because this is all fascinating. I thought on the 10th of September, 1966, and on the 14th of September, 1966, and on the 16th of September, 1966, three different major sources of, of entertainment news. Reviewed Star Trek, TV Guide, Variety, and I'll look at the last one was the New York Times. Okay, they gave it overwhelmingly negative reviews. Mm. <laughs> It'll never These, last. <laughs> yes. Now the thing is, you can say New York. Well, New York Times is New York Times. You could dismiss it. You know, as the place of Kathleen Hale and the highbrow, blah blah blah. And you could talk about Variety as a trade magazine, but TV Guide, TV mm. Guide. It's hilarious. TV Guide said, the sky's not the limit for this show. It, <laughs> it has doubtful impact. Another interview from Variety said that the man trap was pretty much a horrible space episode. <laughs> and then my favorite, the, edit, uh, the New York Times says, and this is funny because it tells you what people were thinking, less um, it reviewed the episode Charlie X, and they said this episode relies less on super duper gadgetry, but is associate that is associated with traveling the heavens normally than it does an astronautical soap opera. This soap opera suffers from interminable drag. TV's first hyper met. Uh, hyper melodramatic show in orbit they hated wow. charlie x what i find funny and for people who are younger uh, i wasn't quite old enough to have watched this when it first aired but you have to put your mind in 1966 right. and you hear this weird stuff about super duper gadgetry and soap operas in outer space they really did want war of the worlds they really did want flash gordon they didn't understand this show and they thought it would never last. It's hilarious. Some of the the week one reviews of the Man Trap were equally negative, saying it's a monster story in space, and yeah, 
I mean, several of them, we were swapping some in the, in the Earth Station Trek Facebook group, pointed <laughs> yes. out the, the Playboy bunnies on the Enterprise, <laughs> that sort of thing, uh, sort of mocking the uniforms. And um, and now they do that at Dragon Con and Bunny Hutch. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Some Yes. Some of, the, some of their criticisms have some validity to them, mm-hmm. and it's really only in the fullness of time that we can that we find them so mockable. Right. Yeah. Well, they, they didn't have the, the benefit of watching this over and over since they were 10 years old. So <laughs> you know, to them, it was, it, but it's interesting because to them, yeah. it was just a, a new TV show with an episode or two. Um, right. I think it's fascinating to see what people thought at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then two other real quick things on sept- on um, the 14th of September, 1936, Walter Koenig was born. And I don't do a lot of birthdays, but that's a really critical one. And we were just talking about things. We were just talking about the fact I didn't even know this, that Walter Koenig, the story always was he was hired. Yes, because he was young. Yes, because he was supposed to fill that Beatles kind of thing. But this story that's been around for decades is that Russia complained mightily saying, yeah, look at those Americans. They don't even want us in space in the future. And that they created Chekhov to appease Russia. And it turns out that's a lie. And I, I checked right. several interviews with Walter Koenig. I did not know that was a lie. It was made up by the suits. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good story. All right. It is a good story. Yeah. Yeah. Really. And the last one, I, w- I was around for this. 17th of December, ni- ni- the 17th of September, 1976, NASA decided to name the first space shuttle the Enterprise. After a campaign upon by tens and tens of thousands of <laughs> write-in letters and calls to everyone from Paramount to NASA to the White House itself, which is yeah. amazing. Absolutely. They yeah. should have waited until one that was like a manned spacecraft. Yeah, we've talked about this before. They got they got yeah. the, the the test glider, but yeah, I mean, still, I mean, it's not every TV show. There's no Jupiter 2 in NASA. You know? like, <laughs> there's no point. C-57D. You know, at the Enterprise, that's a distinction. The, the Enterprise, yeah. uh, you know, very few fictional spaceships have, have you know, very few NASA ships have been named after sp- fictional spaceships. So, right. Um, that's, that's and, Star Trek yeah. and I really hope they continue that in whatever our future in space is. I really hope that they actually keep naming an Enterprise every time we do whatever we do next. I hope we do something next. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> and that's this week in track history. I agree. Awesome. Well, if you're listening on the audio podcast, we'll take a quick break right here and promote a fellow ESO Network podcast show. But don't go away because when we get back, we'll be talking about Star Trek Lower Decks. But before that, we're going to be talking about the, the new Star Trek uh, anniversary special as well as the first two episodes of Very Short Treks. So stay right there. <laughs> Betty, Beth, I see you. I see the eager expressions on your face. <laughs> The Earth Station One podcast has been bringing your inner geek out to play for the past 13 years. Over this time, we've seen things change in the world of geek and podcasting alike. And your friends here at ESO are looking to change also. We are now giving you double the fun by coming to you twice a week. And not just in audio, but now you can see our lovely faces up on YouTube. Join Mike and Mike as we celebrate our 700th episode and beyond. Earth Station One is proud to be a founding member of the ESO Network.
Yeah, if you didn't watch this, this is your own fault. <laughs> okay. okay. That's spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Spoilers. First off, spoilers for very short treks, and then it'll be spoilers for the latest episode of Star Trek Lower Decks and the Cradle of Vexalon. Uh, but let's start with the anniversary special. Yeah. Uh, hosted by Jerry O'Connell, who I like. Yes, I love Jerry O'Connell. Yeah. And like I said last week, I, I'm glad that they had the foresight to film something, to have something right. you know, during the strike. Because if they'd waited just a little bit, they wouldn't have been able to have anything. Yeah. So credit to them. I would film. have been okay with that, actually. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So now that we've seen it, let's get into what they actually did. Yeah, they completely ignored Prodigy when they talked about the animated series. They yes, they did. Used yeah. um, like a lot of their like backdrops were very Prodigy artwork. You think so? Yes. Okay. Especially mm. the one right behind Jerry O'Connell very much reminded me of Prodigy. Okay. Very, very oh, much. Interesting. I didn't pick up on that. I, I felt like I like Jerry O'Connell, yes. but I felt like the Jerry O'Connell segments. It felt like I was. Like in a hotel room at 2 a.m. watching Jerry O'Connell <laughs> tell Star Trek. Yeah. It was like a big advertisement. Yeah, it had that kind of a feel. Like I, I feel like there's going to be a, 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 an 800 number I can call at the end to, to find me some Star Trek. <laughs> like, you're at, like you're at the Howard Johnson's in some small town and right. in the bar and there's a dude trying to tell yeah. jokes. <laughs> yeah, it's like they didn't give him the script ahead of time and it was only a well, teleprompter. I, I don't, well, I don't know about that, but it, it did feel like a Star Trek ad, a 30-minute Star Trek ad. To me. For Discovery. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fine. I, I like Discovery. So I, yeah. I don't think we saw anything that we hadn't already seen. Mm-mm. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, that's the next thing after Lower Decks. So I'm glad that they're promoting it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, I, I, looked, I looked it up. The 57th anniversary, there's no traditional gift, but the modern gift is either glass <laughs> or a mirror. Okay. And so I, I guess a mirror would be a good gift if you're going to spend 20 minutes gazing at your own navel. Fanny <laughs> <laughs> Beth, were you the one who posted something about how he kept staring off to the left or something weird like that? That was a oh, for a while. Uh, no, it's just they, they, it was a two camera setup, and there was a moment uh-huh. early on where they. <laughs> They, they went to camera B, but Jer- Jerry O'Connell was still looking off to the side. So <laughs> my joke was that no, the director forgot to tell Jerry to turn to camera B. But I, I don't know. Maybe that was on purpose. But maybe because you wouldn't think it's not the days like it's not going out live. You know, like mm-hmm. they can, yeah. I'm, surely they've got footage from both cameras that they're editing together. So that seems like it would be a, a choice that someone made. It was an odd choice then. Yeah. The side of Jerry O'Connell's face talking. Maybe he thought, hey, people haven't seen the side of his face in a while. (laughs) Or maybe they were thinking, we have to make this interesting somehow. (laughs) (laughs) This is my moment. (laughs) My my artistic flair will come through. (laughs) You know, I think given what I read online and our group and just other stuff, no matter how it turned out, I really do think, even for people who maybe didn't love it, I think the specter of Prodigy was hanging over that in weird ways. You know, I think even people who didn't go in there expecting to whatever have an attitude, it was it's it was just by not being mentioned. And I think that helped sour some people's experience, period. You know, it's kind of like, I don't yeah. care what you're saying. You, you, Prodigy's not there. And that just feels false. And then yeah. even for someone like me, the little things we talked about, about if you went to the official, the official Star Trek page, and the first thing that came up for Star Trek Day did not have Captain Kirk in the picture. It had, you know, the newest stuff front and center. I don't care, like you, Charles. I don't care about promoting the new stuff. 
but it's weird if you take take the old stuff and push them to the back. And I think those things made it feel more almost commercial yeah. and more focused only on our stuff, whereas Star Trek should be inclusive for everything that's come before. So I think little things like that kind of made people not love it as much as maybe they thought they would. Yeah, I don't have any problem at all with them promoting the new stuff. I want them to promote mm-hmm. the new stuff because I want people to right. watch it and I want yeah. it to continue and be successful. And I like the new stuff. Right. But um, for an anniversary, it does seem, I mean, I, 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 I excel on our, our Facebook group. I guess t- time marches on. But, you know, I, it's weird for me to see an anniversary image with no Kirk or Spock. Yeah, that's wrong. You know, that's yeah. just a little strange because they were the face of Star Trek for so long. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I don't have any problem with the folks that they had on there. But, it is. It was a little. It is a little weird. Yeah, uh, it'd be like it'd be like doing a dedication to history of the United States and the you show Zachary Taylor and Miller Fillmore <laughs> instead of George Washington. <laughs> <laughs> I know Deep Pool. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Hey, I, had I don't even know who they, those people are, but I'm assuming they're presidents at some point. See? Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. Before we get too far, usually Alan grabs the comments. So I've been I've been negligent of our comments section. So All right, cool. So Welcome everybody. Real quick, I'm gonna go backwards. Let's um, see if we find who loved it. Dan said they also claim that Trek inspired automatic sliding doors, which isn't true. They did. I didn't. I missed who, that. Who claimed that? I think yeah, some special. Maybe they're when they're talking about innovations that Star Trek had inspired. Oh, interesting. Okay. I didn't. I didn't catch that one. Maybe that was Jerry O'Connell going off script. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Elaine said, the only part I really enjoyed was the mini watch through of crazy bits with Tawny and Eugene. That felt more genuine. It felt more genuine. Yeah. It didn't feel like they were going off a script. It's like, okay, guys, you're watching this thing and just talk about it and be yourselves and do weird things and be hilarious. Yeah, but they weren't hilarious. <laughs> so Manny Beth, you didn't like I much they of were all, a little bit. Huh? Uh, no, no, there's really almost nothing about this that I did enjoy. So almost nothing. So what what little little tiny piece did you enjoy? Um well I did I did like a couple of moments in the the, the thing with Tawny and Eugene. I I like them I like them busting on the the move along home episode of deep space nine. But even there, I felt like that was thrown in there just to, to tee us up for this week's episode of lower decks. Mm -hmm. I feel like that should be a special feature on like the star Trek DVDs is have star Trek actors like watching the show, like (laughs) have them watching lower decks and reacting or have the lower decks guys watching strange new worlds and reacting. That used to be a thing they would put on it on things is the the people watching it and them reacting as you watched it and you watched it along with them. I, in fact, they could put it on Paramount Plus and I would watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> they, they would just get more streams. Or even if they just put it on the DVD, <laughs> then I'd also buy the DVD. I mean, we're also, we're going to obviously uh, already buy the DVD or the Blu ray yeah, anyway. That's but true. <laughs> it give people more reason to subscribe year round. Yeah. Okay. So comments are moving. I already said that one. Dan said, it's bad like the myth that the first interracial kiss is in Plato's stepchildren. It's not even the first interracial kiss in Trek. And there, I think, when they say interracial kiss, I think it's a a shorthand for like a scripted interracial kiss between a Caucasian person and an African-American person on television. Because obviously there had been, you know, kisses between folks who weren't of the same race on television before, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, on I Love Lucy, Lucy and Desi were married and played married a couple, and that was you know, a decade earlier. Yeah. Right, um, right. 
but I mean, it, it is notable the 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 Plato stepchildren kiss, and I'm glad that Star Trek has. I wish it was in a better episode, but um, <laughs> and under better circumstances. But I mean, it's it is what it is. Yeah. Right. All right. So let's see if we can catch up real quick. Um, Elaine said, like behind the sofa on the Doctor Who DVDs, which is a uh, talking about them watching people watch the show and react. Uh-oh. Oh, okay. Thank you. I didn't get that one because I don't. I'm not deep on Doctor Who. Yeah, they used right. to have a feature on VH1 that was like that. Like they would have the cast of Frasier remarking on a, an episode of Frasier, <laughs> and that was about as fun as this thing was. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, uh, Matt Sweatman said, "Anson Mount, the Millard Fillmore." So. <laughs> there you go. I, I'll bet. I Matt. I guarantee he's never been called that before. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, that's probably a new one. I think I think we we've coined that here this night. Yes, be. I was involved. <laughs> I'll post then, it on X and see what he says. Yeah, <laughs> make sure that's not the one who got assassinated. No, that was uh, Garfield. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Dan is specifying. He says Cha- uh, Chaplin who a kiss before Chapel leaves to be with Doctor Corby. But I don't. That that's not the same type of a kiss that they're talking about when they're talking about well, the regular kiss. Mm. Somebody else said that online. I didn't go back and look. They didn't kiss on the lips, did they? I thought it was no. just a, a, a no. cheek. So right. I wouldn't call that a kiss. Right. Yeah, right. not really. Yeah. Not really. Yeah. I wouldn't call that. No. Uh, of course, talking about that that kiss between Kirk and Uhura, I'm sure everybody here knows that the suits were terrified of that kiss and. They wanted it to be much, much less of a, of a kiss on the mouth. But um, Nichelle Nichols and William Shatner intentionally kept screwing up the takes so that the only right. take that they could use was that one instead of all the other ones. They would cross their eyes and do all this other weird stuff. I know nowadays, in retrospect, it seems really stupid, but I used to work with a guy from West Virginia who was alive when that came out. And he said that his family was so pissed. They were literally talking about going down to the TV station, like, I don't know, burning it down or something like that. Wow. So wow. we've people come a long way. People will still do, yeah. say they'll do that. Right. Back yeah. then people were more likely to actually do that. Right. But yeah, people are insane. Yeah. Back when people say people didn't get offended so easily. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when the really... people call people snowflakes or snowflakes. Right. <laughs> yeah. There really was a time back then where the suits in New York or LA would have to go, how will this play in the South? Yeah. Because yeah. they're always mm-hmm. worried, worried about the South freaking out about something. And this was wow. one of those times. All right. Well, enough of that. Let's move on to the very short treks. I'm uh, the very short treks. <laughs> Charles, the only thing like, I'm glad is they were very short tricks. Charles, you like the MC who keeps introducing stuff that the audience is not laughing at. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you say, you're getting like, oh, God. <laughs> well, you know, Roger Ebert used to say that no good movie is ever too long and no short movie is ever short enough. No, that's, I've never heard that, but I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and these were... These were very short treks, and yet uh-huh. they weren't short enough. Yep. Right. <laughs> one one of the things in the puppetry, um, what do we do for? Is too short to suck. Yeah, something they say in puppets in the puppet slam community is yeah. too yeah. short to suck. Keep your routine too short to suck. And these were not too short to suck. Nope. <laughs> nope. I mean, let's talk about them though. I mean, the and the first one. Um, you had a captain. I don't think he was meant to be Captain Kirk. And he wasn't credited as Captain Kirk. No. Mm. Right. Um, 
And yet he was on the bridge with Spock. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where Kirk usually sits. And Maress and Maress. Yeah. Yeah. Was uh, Eric's there? Yeah, Eric's was there. Yeah. Yeah. Spock. Was Spock there? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ethan Peck was playing Spock. Yeah. Which yeah. I thought worked pretty well. Yeah. As the the animated series style Spock. I thought Ethan Peck was good. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. I like the I mean, starting with what I like. I like the little retro styled um the little intro they do, you know, yeah. for all the Star Treks now. That was cool. It. I was yeah. like, oh yeah, this that's really awesome. Even the sound yes. mix on the music made it sound more yes. like 1970s-ish. I thought that was good. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean uh, the gag I didn't and the way it played out didn't really work for me. No. You know, and I didn't really feel like this was a, a tribute to the animated series. No. No, it had nothing to do with the animated series. But right. You know, except very superficially. Right. I mean, essentially, they're just using the animated series style animation and doing mediocre comedy sketches. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, which wasn't quite what I was hoping for. That's kind of the impression I'd got leading up to it. I, I think I mentioned last week that I wasn't wasn't <laughs> I wasn't super optimistic. Um, and I'm not I'm not that familiar with Casper Kelly, um, but I I don't know. I mean, any other thoughts on that first one? <laughs> if that they was, had that was stopped, a cat. yeah, yeah. If they had okay. stopped with Mares and moved on to something else, yeah, uh, yeah, that bit would have been okay. I mean, it's basically, it's basically a, a ham-fisted spoof of cancel culture, right? Mm-hmm. And it just and it just doesn't work. It's no, just, it doesn't work in Star Trek. It's just Mm-mm. dumb. Yeah, yeah. It especially doesn't work in Star Trek. Yeah, save that for like. Family Guy or SpongeBob. Yeah, I mean, it's pushing that narrative <laughs> that you've got this mediocre white guy who just can't get anything done because everything he says, someone magically appears to be offended by it. Right. And that's just not the way the world works. No. <laughs> you no. Know? And especially in the Star Trek world. Right. Um, yeah, I feel like, for one, if a, if a human used an idiom that was offensive, I think they, during a battle, during a pitch battle, when our lives on the line, maybe not be the time that they would stop doing their jobs and talk about it. But also, I mean, it got. <laughs> increasingly absurd yes i mean yeah. and we know these aren't they said in the in the commercial that these are definitely not canon um right. and i mean we're saying all this i mean humor is subjective i'm sure folks there are some folks who loved it and some folks who didn't and some folks who right. were like different parts of it than what i did and that's fine i mean we're just we're just giving our opinions no it's yeah. not fine the people who liked it are wrong <laughs> I heard you say that. yes yeah i didn't find it I, I didn't laugh at that one at all. I, I just didn't find it. Like you said, humor is subjective and you can have slapstick humor. I mean, you know, I still love the three stooges and Laurel and Hardy and stuff like that. But this just, you're right. It just, it just didn't work as soon as he did the skin a cat thing and they kept on going. I just, it just, I just looked at it, you know, it just didn't do much for me. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to the holiday party one. <laughs> I like that one a little better, but it no, started that... out okay. Yeah, yeah. And then he showed the first blooper, and I was like, "Nope, that went sideways. <laughs> this is not going to be good." Right. And it was not. Yeah, it was just uh, I don't know, kind of cynical, and <laughs> I don't know. It didn't. It didn't really. It didn't really do it for me. And I spent. I mean, I spent quite a bit of time writing comedy routines that we do on stage and mm-hmm. a lot of those are star trek related so i know it's not an easy thing to do yeah um but uh you're doing it for actual star trek guys so yeah i mean doing it for a puppet spoof show that's the thing that gets me is I, anybody can do 
a Star Trek spoof or a Star Trek comedy sketch. Uh, we do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the only people in the world that can do real Star Trek is Paramount. So I wish that they would put their efforts into doing real Star Trek when they have the opportunity and leave the, the, the spoofs and the sketches and the comedy routines to everybody else. Yeah. But I'm yeah. sure SNL would love to do something like that. Who? SNL. They do Star Trek things. Yeah. Like take that, uh, take that idea to SNL. I'll do it. That's fine. Or robot chicken. Yeah. I'm sure they've, they've done yeah. plenty. I mean, I mean, it, it doesn't bother me that this is a spoof and it came from Paramount. I, I just wanted it to be well done. And yeah, you would like, you would think Paramount could have afforded to, I mean, there's certainly people who've been involved with Star Trek in the past, people who are known to be enthusiasts of the franchise. Mm-hmm and who are also known to be funny, who they could have reached out to, to, to make yeah. these, you know, I, uh, the Casper Kelly, I, I don't know much about him beyond the, the fact that he apparently made too, too many cooks, which I think is legitimately brilliant, but, uh, he, he has no connection. General, he's no, no previous connection with the franchise that I'm aware of. And, you know, yeah, they could have they could have gotten uh I mean I mean I'm sure Chris Pine would have been game to work yeah. on something like this or Adam Scott, the the actor best known for Parks and Recreation, who also had a bit part in I think one of the Star Trek movies. Uh, I, I'm just really throwing out names almost at random here. Right. But well I mean if they needed somebody who is funny, knows how to do funny cartoons and do good Star Trek. And they've got Mike McMahon like yeah. on the payroll. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, maybe reach out to some or all the writers that are working there because I feel like they're doing it more successfully. Mm-hmm. I and mean, that's the interesting thing to me is, I mean, we, we've all talked about Lower Decks plenty. Mm-hmm. And I think we've all agreed that it's good Star Trek. It's funny. Um, I mean, so why, did, why is Lower Decks succeeding and then very short tricks, in my opinion, not? Because they're trying, they're trying very hard to not be Star Trek. I think. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah, I agree, and I, and I think, and I think, in the same way, it's a, it's a, it's a very small microcosm. Of sometimes it's wrong with some of the new track, which I know I've complained about a billion times. Which is, you feel that they come in to do the idea they want to do, not the idea that feels organic to Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And they wanted to tell a really goofy, borderline. Um, what's the word, a gavel's humor series of jokes. But I don't care what stage of his emotional and social development Spock is in. He would know that wasn't funny to humans. Yeah. It, 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 and I just never bought it. I mean, humor is a really subjective thing, like Andy Beth said. But basically saying, oh, look at the scene of awesome suffering, but they didn't die. Is this funny? He knows better than that. Not to mention he was yeah. raised by a human mother. So I just never bought the premise. It's kind of like in yeah. the... I forget which Star Trek movie it was, and I should know this. The one, what's the one where they commissioned the new ship? Was that actually, um, was that Generations? Generations? Yeah, are you thinking about Um, when they're on the ship and Data pushes someone in? Yeah, and I just thought. I still thought that what Data did was funny. It was funny. It was hilarious. (laughs) But everyone's like, 
That's not funny data. I'm like, well, that's exactly what you guys just did. But I felt after 30 years around human... Okay, Charles, do not let us get off track. But <laughs> I, I felt that after 30 years around human, data would at least know that just pushing a woman into the water isn't funny. And so I didn't buy the joke. And on this one, I'm just looking at the whole time is Spock is not that incredibly clueless. Maybe he doesn't get humor, but he, you know what is not funny. And so yeah. I just didn't buy it. And, they, and it was almost like, the, Charles, back to your thing about being in some club or restaurant at two in the morning. It's like that comedian who's bombing. And you know how comedians bomb and sometimes they actually start talking louder and faster <laughs> as if that's going to make the jokes better? I know. How do you know that feeling? <laughs> It was just one after one, other, and I just the whole time I was groaning, and I thought, man, this just is not funny. It's just no. not funny. No, it's it not. didn't work. Yeah. All right, let's grab some comments. All right. All right. Uh, all right, uh, Dan. I'm gonna have to pick and choose here because you got a whole bunch of them. Um, So Dan says, I'm loving Very Short Treks. It's my favorite of all the Trek series, which have been released since 2017. Wow. I praise. I praise a minority opinion. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, Elaine says, like I said on the EST page, I'm not saying the second one was good, but I preferred (laughs) it to the first one. That was what you said exactly, too. Well, it wasn't as bad as the first one. Yes. like When we finished watching it, I was like, I heard a lot. From different people. Yep. Like, well, it wasn't about as bad as the first one. <laughs> well, that's, that's I guess that's a good way call, to do a show. Just make your first episode yeah. really bad. And then that's what we know. call damning with faint praise. Yeah. A root a root canal is not as bad as decapitation yeah. either. <laughs> or as what my parents used to call the left-handed compliment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matt says, I was hoping for something using the style of the animated series, witty and humorous, but still close enough to Trek to be canon. Agreed. Yeah. yeah and that's like... When uh, Gazelle Automations did their little tributes to the animated series, and they took the audio of several different like scenes from like the Next Generation, Voyager, mm-hmm. and like for instance the Borg one, they did um, um, Best of Both Worlds, the the Borg mm-hmm. attack and Picard being abducted, and I mean frankly I thought that was funnier than these are. Yeah, just yeah, because they were seeing them in the animated series style is just right. the Hilarious. Borg beam in and they're wearing purple. And, but it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not laughing at it. It's laughing like... Because that's how it would have looked if because, they would have animated yeah, it. Yeah, it's like a yes. laughing out of love because I, I like the animated series. And, I, and then you know, the Enterprise flies by and then you have the big da-da-da and then the Borg ship flies by after them. And, mm-hmm. you know, I thought that was more naturally funny, but they were playing it straight. They yeah, were right. acting like the Borg didn't slip on a banana peel or... Yeah there wasn't a guy mopping the enterprise floor with a mop and the board slipped and hit themselves in the nuts, you know, like <laughs> just, them, about that. Oh my God. just them beaming in and taking Picard and just even the way he went, Oh, I laughed more watching that, but not laughing at it, not laughing. They weren't trying to make jokes. They were, they just, yes. they just, right. they, but they did it deliberately. They knew that I was going to laugh at that. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Well, I think the guy who made these, was uh, believed he was doing what Matt is saying here. Because, yeah. we, you know, th- th- it, th- we've got the escalation. It starts with the cut to Mares, and and that's, you know, oh, she right, she's a cat. He just used a cat idiom. And then they escalate from that to other, other aliens that we couldn't see in live action mm-hmm. with the guy with the screw head and the, the person who whose face was twisted knickers and it, you know, he, 
clearly the guy the guy who made that thought that just going going to taking taking a facet of the original animated series and then just going to the extreme absurd with it was what would be funny and he was just wrong mm. yes yeah yeah and there's three more to go right well th- then i read there were five yeah i think there's th- there we have three left to go so yeah. mm-hmm. okay now did anybody notice that saru was wearing a 32nd century uniform in the flashback footage from yeah the discovery he was wearing pilot. a different uniform from all the other people uh, yeah he was wearing the red future uniform now maybe that's a deliberate gag that they had him in the wrong uniform but <laughs> yeah that that's funny no <laughs> it's just like why is he in the wrong <laughs> right i mean give one of the background characters the wrong sleeve color come on yeah that'd, that'd be funny that would be that, funny be that like, would have like- that would have been funny right yeah the critiques and the takedowns of the short tracks are funnier than the short tracks were. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Dan says it's not well done. It's terrifically done. Uh, Matt says short tracks were brilliant and an animated inspired take on this could have been very good. And there mm-hmm. he's talking about the original mm-hmm. short tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I would have. I love the most of the short, almost all the short tracks. Yeah. I mean, I think you could have animated different things that we never saw in Star Trek and did it with mm-hmm. an animated series style. And it could be funny and not straight too far from canon. And I think that could work and be a good. And like they may have intended, it would have been a good tribute, I think, to the animated series. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, let's see. Um, my, uh, Dan says, Mike McMahon isn't really funny, in my humble opinion. He's got a better grasp on storytelling than humor. And I disagree with that. Yep. I think, yeah, I disagree I think very Lower strongly. Decks is very funny. And I think it's very good Star Trek. And one thing I've noticed about Lower Decks is that they tend not to go for the cynical humor. They yeah. tend to go for sweet humor. Yeah. So there'll be humor out of things like how positive everyone is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, like oh, I'm too excited. I'm too loud. And, okay, right. I need to go away. <laughs> I don't know what you said, but I probably agree. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was too high pitched. I couldn't hear you. I was, I was, I was Rutherford on Deep Space Nine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, so I think that's. You may have any closing thoughts about the very short treks? Disappointing. Yeah. Mm. Well, let's talk about lower decks then. Yeah. Yay. At, Yay. In the cradle of Vexalon. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I loved, I loved this episode. <laughs> Me too. There are so many nice references. And that's one of the things I love about Deep Space Nine is they do references and they use them well. It's not like, hey, you mean lower decks. This thing. That's what I meant. Yes. What did I just say? You said Deep Space Nine. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Deep Space Nine was in my brain. Yeah. But they, they use the references so well. And they don't shove it in your face. They're just like, hey, this thing. Because we're also fans of this thing. Because this happened in the past and we're fans of the past. Yeah. And they, it, it's a good twist that you have a civilization that they've got one of those ancient computers that runs the planet. It's not a planet. It's a mega structure. Yeah. But it's going yeah. fine. It's nice. It's not maniacal. Um, and they're just carrying on. Um, but it hasn't been updated in thousands of a years. Million- I think well, it was something weird, like a million years and six days, or something crazy oh God, like right. that. It, it was. I, I agree with you. And I thought what I, one thing that I, that caught my eye very interestingly was the mega structure wasn't a Dyson sphere, but it was a ring. Right. And mm-hmm. like what, ring world. Yes, a, exactly. Ring world. It's a lowercase r ring world. <laughs> yes, which also by by the way, of course, the, the ring world novels had Kazinti in them. Mm-hmm. 
little yep. thing. And the reason I thought that was cool is because uh, one of the most common misconceptions in science and science fiction is the Dyson sphere. Dr. Dyson did not propose a sphere. He proposed a ring just like that. Others, yeah, others talked about the sphere and then it became attributed to him. But that his original proposal was what we saw on the show, an actual ring around the sun. So I thought that was pretty cool. So do you think these folks set out to build a sphere and then got like the ring done? And we're like, yeah, that's, that's good enough. <laughs> yeah, no, I, mean, I, I think they realized that, hey, it's stupid to do an entire sphere. Let's just do a ring. Right. Because yeah. it makes more sense. Yeah. And the and the material would be good God. I mean, it's already almost impossible to do. But yeah. they mm-hmm. yeah. talked about that in the ring world books that a oh, ring yeah. is sufficient enough and then it has gravity. And so you literally build walls on the side of the ring and make them just high enough where the atmosphere doesn't leak out your good. So I thought that was cool. And I even love little touches. And you know, we talk about lower decks and like what you guys were just saying, it's it's funny you differentiate that from short tracks, the very the very short tracks is you can be funny and whatever and still get the details right. Because if you looked in the distance, you saw the ring up into the sky. You saw the, the curve of the ring mm-hmm. up into the sky as well, which I yep. thought was pretty cool. So I uh, I thought that was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Good. They did. Uh, they did. Um, I mean, I like that we saw a Kazin in this episode. Mm-hmm. And Kazin, of course, were established as part of the franchise in the original animated series, but yeah. more importantly, the Kazen were created by Larry Niven, who also wrote the ring world books. Right. So I, I thought that was, that was a visual shout out to Yes. We know Larry Niven created the, the first ring world and, and this mm-hmm. is also a ring world that that was, I thought that was a really nice touch and, and subtle. Uh, yeah. I, I, I do think they, they weren't. They didn't act adequately convey j- just the scale of a <laughs> of a structure like this. Right. You know, we saw we saw some some views of the inner surface of the ring, but they didn't really convey the fact that that the width of that ring would be at least thousands of times the width of the Earth. Yeah, no, I, I, it, I mean, it's, it's hard though to, to show that kind of a scale. True. Um, but I think uh, just as a nerd, it's just cool to see that in Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, what a, what a great, I mean, if you're going to have a, I mean, there's been a lot of like ancient computers that are like controlling planets and things. But if yeah. this is an entirely artificial environment, it makes sense that there would be something yeah. controlling it, making sure the environment's environmenting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Let me grab some yeah. comments real quick. All right, here we go. We got Matt said, I'm interested in their society. With the perfect weather, they could, su- su- they could succeed as a resort destination a la Riza. True. Dan said, I definitely think they shoved the Easter eggs in your face, and presumably you were joking about how positive everyone is. Nope. Uh, Elaine says, I love that their mistake sculptures were the <laughs> same as the good ones. Yeah. Right. I love great. that Ransom has like artistic opinions. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was fantastic. Amateurish. <laughs> yes. Right. Uh, and then Dan pointed out that the Kazin is actually given a name here, which is Tyler. Yeah, and that's, I don't, oh, I missed that. I don't think that's correct. I think Merp was the Kazin. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So which Can one I was Tyler? Was Tyler the guy with the green face then? I, I think so. Okay. Interesting. Uh, 
Charles, what you said earlier, I thought was really cool because the world computer that goes nuts and takes over is a trope in Star Trek. It's a cliche. Yep. And right. so I thought, I agree that it was brilliant that that wasn't the problem. As a matter of fact, when they beamed down, the first thing the captain said was, it's not trying to subjugate anyone. No, no, no. Why would you think that? <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> oh. We got a, a whole lab of them back on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so that was great. It wasn't Vol, it wasn't Landrew, it, you know, it wasn't um, the Oracle from the world is hollow, I've touched the sky. And so that was so cool. And as you said, it was a, it was really, and then also somebody who works in IT and all of us nowadays have computer experience. I love the way it happened. It, it, in the IT world, literally the, the joke is you never want to hear an IT person go, oh, that shouldn't have happened. <laughs> and that's what happened or the old oh it'll take only a second it'll be fine and then i've had these conversations and they're like wait is it supposed to reboot well it wasn't supposed to and then it, for and how many people have not loaded software and gotten that microsoft bar freeze or whatever bar freeze so i loved all that stuff that was great. as simple it seems like every time you have to upgrade to a new version of something mm -hmm. it works that's what less. i was thinking yes yeah it just works less than it did before yep <laughs> yeah like all of our software at work every time we have to upgrade it we have fewer features than we used to have and less right. Um, right. but i don't think that captain freeman should have nope. taken it upon herself to upgrade this planetary nope. system no nope. she doesn't have a history of engineering even yeah. But she minored in archaic technology at the academy. And that's okay. a thing. That means she took a class or two. <laughs> uh, that's a minor. That's more than just a couple of classes. I thought it was interesting that she said that and she also got possessed by a mask last season. <laughs> right. yeah. Good point. Good yeah. point. Yeah, I, I thought that. Was, yeah, and it was. It was. It, so again, it's. It was insane, but it was funny. And, and look, I, I continue to be amazed that Lower Decks keeps balancing the line between absurd and true and truly funny, and homage to Trek and fan service slash Easter eggs. And I did not expect them to go this many years and keep pulling it off. Mm. But to me, they keep pulling it off all the time. It's, it's amazing. I, I'm, I'm. I'm impressed with the show continually yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's it's a good twist on an old star trek trope mm -hmm. yeah um and done in a, in a new way that, mm -hmm. that star trek really hadn't really done before which yeah. is interesting and and it's a way that's relatable to us you know yeah um and at the same time we had the storyline going on with boimler leading his first uh away team mission yeah <laughs> oh boy <laughs> right i thought it was actually pretty relatable too yeah yeah mm -hmm. I found yes. myself doing that um, just yeah. as, a, as a manager. Like, well, here, I'll just do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. just, just give it here. <laughs> I'll show you, yeah. you know? Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, people don't learn that way. Yeah. Mm -mm. But what I like about it and what you were saying, Charles, about this being a positive show and, you know, in a kind of a gentle, gentle show in a lot of ways, it wasn't because he 100% thought that they were incompetent. What you find out is he was really concerned about his people. Right. You know, at the end mm -hmm. of the day, he really is. And I also found something very, what I do like about the growth is I like that, um, forgive me, what's the Vulcan's name? Talen. Talen. I like what they're doing with this is not a joke where she said, I've read your mission reports. I've read this and that. And people are literally saying he deserved this position. So it's not like it's going to be this weird thing where they get demoted or this and that. I love that growth that yeah. mm -hmm. they really believe he has the stuff. And so I love that. He was just concerned about his people and he's got to learn to let go. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah, and that, I mean, that's a good point because it could have easily had been this moron got promoted and shouldn't have been promoted. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, the Boimler's 
earned it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm, whether mm-hmm. he feels that way or not. And sometimes, you know, your, your <clears throat> superiors can see things in you that you don't see in yourself or once you actually are responsible for these people on this away mission, it's, it's, a, it feels different than you thought it would, Yeah, you know, yes. which is something that people have to learn as they grow. And I, I like that we're getting that kind of growth out of these characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agree. Um, so in this 22 minute story, we had an A, a plot, a B plot and a C plot. Right. <laughs> And they were all great. Right. Yes. So, yeah. And the C plot, um, our folks, uh, they thought they were being hazed. Yeah. Uh, Mariner and Tindy and Rutherford, they were having to scan all the isolinear chips by hand in this big thing. So what do we think about that storyline? Oh, I thought well, that was, it, it turned out the way it looked like it was going. It looked like it was actually hazing. Then it looked like it wasn't hazing. But then it turns out it was actually was hazing. <laughs> so I, I, I really enjoyed them trying to fix it at the last minute. <laughs> uh, that would be a really dangerous single point of failure if only one of those ships going bad. Thank could, you. Could yeah. Destroy the ship. <laughs> I don't right. think that was actually the case. I think no. he just said that to get them to freak out. Right. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree with y'all because I remember from TNG that um, even the episode, oh my gosh, I forgot. Um, Oh man, I forget the name of it. It was the one with the Iconian spear infect the Enterprise with the virus that caused the Enterprise to start malfunctioning. Mm-hmm. Y'all know who I'm talking about? I remember um, that happening, but go ahead. Yeah, Fanny Beth, that's the one where they discover the other, the sister ship, the Yamato, and it blows up. And then they mm. that's the, the race of people with the portal you could walk through and be anywhere in the galaxy. Well, I, I know I know the Iconians had the gateways, but I don't, yeah. I don't know this thing about a sphere. That was the episode. It was a probe that came, and the probe basically uh, infected the Enterprise. The reason I say all that stuff and answer your question, Veronica, is in the episode, Jordy said that the warp, the warp field or the antimatter has something like three separate independent backup systems. One goes, and another one comes on, and another one comes on, and another one. So to your point, I think they, again, did it brilliantly playing out the joke. Because when they said, when he said that one ship in that room full of like a billion ships could make the ship like blow up or whatever, I was like, are they serious? You know, do I just let go the reality because it's a comedy cartoon or are they punking them? And I kept going back and forth to like, wait, that, like you said, yeah. Vanderbilt, like that's bull. There's no way there's a single, but they said a single point of favor. And then at the end, they're in the bar like, we got them. <laughs> that was great. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I, I mean, at first I, I would, I didn't really care for the, the double twist. Because mm-hmm. it just it does seem kind of cynical. I kind of like when it was, you know, he had a uh, a more positive reason. I guess you know that he for the things that he was doing. He wasn't right. Just being a jerk. I felt Ultimately, the same he, way. He was just being a jerk. Mm-hmm. Um, which I mean, there are people who are just jerks on Star Trek. Which that that happens. He'll probably be an admiral one day. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. That that felt like going a little more cynical there at the end, and especially with Ransom being sort of in on it. Maybe it's just a thing because they're they're new lieutenants and they feel like they're hazing them. But I did kind of like that. Like Rutherford didn't even know what hazing was. Yeah, you know, he's like, yeah. "What are you talking about? What's that?" Which is good because you know, let people do their jobs. Yeah, you know. Well, I Charles wish. Then I'm sorry. Go ahead, Veronica. I wish they would have had. He would have had more time in the move along home. Oh yeah, my let's, gosh. Before we get into the move along home box, let me oh catch up boy. with the comments again because I'm All right. sorry, everybody. Is, so, guys, yeah, hazing, good or no? Yay or nay for hazing? Uh, Dan commented, How do you reconcile them talking about how awful humanity is if they're supposedly positive 
all the time. And I don't think they talk a lot about how awful humanity is. Yeah. Um, there, there are there are people on Star Trek who are just jerks. You know, like we're just talking about um, dude who was giving them these orders. But I think lower decks skews back towards um, sweetness a lot. And, you know, it turned a little more cynical here on this one at the end for that one character. But I mean, ultimately, I think that they more often than not. It's a, it's a very sweet show and a very positive and uplifting show. And I think, and I, I think occasionally Mariner might be like, oh, yeah, pe- humans are terrible. Um, okay. But that I don't feel like that's part of the show. I feel like that's like. That's well, a character point of view. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between a character's point of view and a show's point of view. Yeah. Right. Um, you could have a character on the show say anything they, anything they, they if is natural for that character. But um, the show's point of view, I don't think is a cynical show. Yeah. All right, so Matt says, and boy, Boimler needs to learn to delegate. <laughs> yes, he does. That's mm-hmm. true. No kidding. That's the point, though. That was what he was learning. Um, Dan does believe that the Kazin's name was Tyler, and I yeah. don't have a dog in this race. I say Bubba. <laughs> um, Dan, uh, I'm. he had a comment, but I'm not, I, it's been a bit while. I don't know who he's referring to now. Um, Captain uh, Matt says, Captain Freeman forgot the rule. You always perform a backup before doing an update. Yep. Amen, Matt. Uh, of course, we all thought about that. Yep. Where's the backup? Okay, Dan says, I've seen quite a few people online getting frustrated with the fact that Freeman keeps getting portrayed as fallible, but I don't mind that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't mind her being fallible. Freeman yeah. does have, she does have a tendency to blunder a bit. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, that's why she's captain of a uh, Cerritos and not captain <laughs> of the Galaxy class ship. Yeah. And she's trying to pretend she is yeah. captain of a Galaxy class ship and pretend that she's important. Yeah. But I think all Star Trek captains at some point like stick themselves in it, you know, and yeah. have to get rescued or yeah. the ship sure. gets into a bad way, yeah. you know. But she also think... has a lot of times when you're, she's like, hey, this is how the thing goes. Mm-hmm. And she's right. And I think, and I think the thing is, I think Captain Freeman sometimes needs to get out of her own way. As mm-hmm. a matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised if by series end, whenever that is, she does go to first contact. You know, she becomes a she goes up in rank as a captain. That'd be awesome. So, yeah, I'm like you. I don't mind that. Uh, Charles, I really wonder then. Therefore, do you think that the Starfleet Academy series won't or shouldn't have hazing? I don't know. I really I mean, hope it doesn't. Well, I mean, I mean, I don't. I'm not I have a strong opinion about that. I guess, uh, especially if it's if if it's like you know college age folks. Yeah. Uh, I mean. I'm sure they will. There's going to be drama. There's going to be conflict. You know, there'll be a dude like Finnegan with a pail of water on a half open door. <laughs> it's a, quite a trick on the sliding doors, too. You got to be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, I always wondered about that. <laughs> it would be an, an anti grav bucket. There you oh, go. Oh, cool. There you go. Matt says, I'm intrigued by Talyn's rank. Provisional second lieutenant. That's not what she is. Okay. She's, she? a prov- she's a provisional lieutenant junior grade. Okay. Second lieutenant is an army or a Marines rank and Starfleet obviously uses naval ranks. Right. But I also have been wondering why she's a provisional lieutenant junior, junior grade. I, I assume that's because she's not actually a member of Starfleet. Right. I think she has a rank in the same way that the Maquis on Voyager had ranks because she has a very similar. Uh, I noticed, I noticed that, but they didn't expect, but they, uh, no. to my knowledge, they haven't explained that. Right. Yeah, my guess is that she never went to Starfleet Academy. And so she's sort of like a, you know, just, well, I mean, she, obviously she's provisional. But I think they just, you know, she transferred into Starfleet rather than coming up through the ranks. Very much like uh, to Paul in Enterprise. 
and um, Kira Nerys in Deep Space Nine, who was officially mm-hmm. not Starfleet, and Paul was officially not Starfleet. Yeah. So they have different folks, ranks. though. Like, I don't believe Michael Burnham ever went to Starfleet Academy, did she? She but did. I think she, she did. She? I thought she yeah. went from the Science Academy, and then George O picked her up. And then she, she, no, uh, she was she was uh, turned down by the Science Academy because Sarek wanted Spock to go, so he told right. him not to take her. Yeah, I remember that. But I remember. And so she went to Starfleet Academy instead. Yeah, and then Spock also went to Starfleet. Okay. Speaking of Talena, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Vanika. Yeah, well, I just just to close the loop on this, to Paul, mm-hmm. uh, Keith, to Paul was was uh, not a member of whatever armed whatever uniformed service enterprises personnel were part of because the Federation didn't exist then, but in the time of lower deck, in the time of lower decks, the Vulcans and the humans are both part of the Federation and Starfleet is staffed by both of them. So we know to came from some Vulcan type of organization, but she should have also been Starfleet. Yeah, well, Enterprise Starfleet did exist, but the Federation didn't exist. And so T'Pol was part of the Vulcan Defense Forces? Is that what it was called? Maybe, but that's not important now. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about Talyn. Who? Sorry, I was looking over the comments real quick. Yeah, okay. Everyone stop talking. Yeah, Dan says, provisional lieutenant junior grade, a gold bar and a black bar. Uh, Dan says, with the C plot, I flash back to Wesley in the Naked Now. I, I had the same oh, thought. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Ships. Oh, right. Yeah, where they, they pulled them out, and <laughs> this ship doesn't work anymore because <laughs> all the chips are out. Um, yeah, I mean, that's sort of a throwback to the way Next Gen used technology. And they do a lot now on the show of sort of bringing it up to speed on the way, like the pads work more like our modern technology does and so forth. But um yeah, I don't mind that. I don't mind a little throwback. Um, it is kind of weird they have a. I mean, it was funny, but they he's like, "Well, you haven't done the second level, the second layer, and the whole thing slides." <laughs> and <laughs> that would that be a tedious great. job to yes. scan all those chips. Yes. Yeah. I like. I do like the way Tindy took it over and like yeah. she was in the old west. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I hope she's very accurate because <laughs> yes. Uh, don't miss one. Uh, but yeah, on the whole, I thought this was a really fun episode. I thought it was it was good. It was a lot of good character movement for the characters. Oh, we never really talked about the the Wadi box, the the Alan Moraine box. How do we feel like about revisiting? I that had no, cool. I had that no was, memory of that. So that was that was funny. Uh, that's from an episode I kind of detest that the box was the box <laughs> in this episode was funny. But there was a lot of things in that anomaly storage room. For some reason, freaking Nomad was in there. Which, <laughs> Right. Which makes no sense because Nomad blew himself up. So I'm not right. sure what that was all about. And then that you notice up on the shelf, it looked like the Romulan cloaking device. Or was it M4 from mm-hmm. uh, Requiem for Methuselah? Because the same parts were used for the cloaking device, Nomad, and M4 right. in the original <laughs> series. Yeah, seriously. I think it was the cloaking device because it had Nomad's head and a globe on the bottom. Mm-hmm. And that was the cloaking device. That was up on the shelf. Hmm. And, and then there was the, and Charles, you probably know this, there was the axe, the big battle axe that they the, used in a mock time. The Lerpa. The Lerpa, oh. yeah. Yeah. 
And was that the sword of Kalos? Was that what that batlet was supposed to be? I, I assume oh. that I assume that had to have been the sword of Kalos. Which yeah, was, I saw that there was a bat left, but I didn't realize it was that one. Which was chucked into space at the end of that Deep Space Nine episode. Yeah, yeah, I hate that. Maybe they found it. Uh, yeah, looks like they did. Yeah, call so call Kronos. Tell them we found the sword. Right. Yeah, or yeah. one of the ensigns can grab it and go be the emperor now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I did have that was so that was oops, sorry that was so crazy and I did love uh, Talyn was she I loved Talyn's chemistry with Boimler because he was yes. basically being hyperactive and and um, and she was being Vulcan like when he talked about whatever and she said that the percentage of people instances who get under new lieutenant commanders who die is pretty high and she said <laughs> it so matter of factly yeah. Talyn, Talyn's hilarious. Yes. She is. Talyn, Talyn, everything she said was killing me in this episode. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is a volcano or whatever she said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She was, she was really good. Um, yeah. Again, a, another surprise character and, you know, a Vulcan, which could be throwaway and kind of cliched is somehow working. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 I thought it was good. Does anyone have any closing thoughts before we wrap it up? Lower Decks continues to surprise me with how I haven't disliked the single episode yet. I like some better than others, but I haven't disliked a single one. That's that's a super high rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very same. Yeah. yeah. I just want I this isn't about the specific episode, but there's a, a I have a miscellaneous comment about Lower Decks that I sure. <laughs> I don't know if I've brought it up before, but I, I need to get it off my chest. It bugs the, the design the design of the cerritos bugs the heck out of me because you had you would have to go through one of the nacelles to get to the engineering hall <laughs> unless <laughs> unless they have a like a permanent transporter line set up from the primary hull to the engineering hall but then you're using the transporter for routine intraship beaming, which I think is never a good idea. So, yeah, my thought is there's, I mean, there would have to be a turbo shaft through the, the, through the strut, but then there's sort of a big cowling around the, like they have that sort of boxy (laughs) area around the nacelle. So maybe there's the nacelle and then you have an outer layer where a turbo shaft could run. Maybe. I'm trying. trying. (laughs) I I can't pick the street as well enough to remember what it looks like. (laughs) It's, Sorry. it's that it's Surprise. the module. You've got the two nacelles at the bottom connected by a strut, and right between that, between those nacelles, where the warp fields are generated, is basically living quarters. And it's kind of like, how do you get down there, and why the heck would you want to live down there in the first place? Right. I picture ring devices like in Stargate. Okay. Those are transporters, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. You have to transport. Yeah. All right. And the other thing, uh, the other thing I want to bring up, which is about this episode, is uh, I loved when Mariner was keeping Dirk distracted. They were talking about <laughs> jazz, and we got a long, a long sequence where everyone's basically busting on jazz, which I think is always in order. <laughs> and then when she was like, "But wait, about what about this?" And he's like, <laughs> I "Have to talk some more." I want to yeah, hear but- some Tellerite slop jazz now. <laughs> The quote, the quote that I wrote down is, "Yeah, you know, it sounds wet, and that is what I like." Please continue. Ew, that's funny. All right, well, Vanny Betts, you host a wonderful podcast uh, about comedy and science fiction. Uh, you want to tell folks where they can find that? 
Yeah, it's called Jettison Pod, which is an extremely obscure in-joke about Star Trek that I would hope everyone listening to Earth Station Trek would recognize. <laughs> and it is the podcast about comedy in science fiction. Mm. It It is currently bi-weekly. We hope to go back to weekly in the not-too-distant future. But our most recent episode dropped just this week. And uh, Charles, you were one of my guests on it. Another guest was my friend Elon. And we talked about the those old scientists episode of strange new worlds. So we're having a lot of fun. We don't only talk about star Trek. If it's science fiction and it's funny, then it is within our bailiwick. And I think, I think we're doing a pretty good job. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's, it's a, it's a fun podcast. Yeah. Thanks. You know, where else do people find you? Um, at, uh, at open mics and other comedy shows around the Atlanta area. Okay. And on Facebook and all, all your other fine social media products. And how about you, Keith? Uh, you can find me on X and Facebook, primarily the ESO network Facebook groups. And one other one quick, real quick thing from the show. I forgot to mention, I love the subtle dig at McCoy where the doctor says, holy, you know what? I didn't know that would work. And then 30, she goes 30 cc's of whatever the heck that was that brought one back to life. Because <laughs> there was always the joke that McCoy always had the chemical that he needed in his little bitty kit for every right. episode. So I love right. that. It's <laughs> awesome. Yep. All right, Veronica, where can people find more of you? More of me specifically, um, Dabba Woman on TikTok and Instagram. Um, I am doing uh, all kinds of just like fun little videos, mostly about Star Trek. Some of them feature my adorable dog, Muffet. And sometimes they're the random TikTok videos that are just like little filters and stuff. Um, but I'm having fun on there. Um, look for Dabba Woman. My username is Woman 8 um, and you can also find me and Chuck a little bit, um, on Dabba Woman on Facebook. It's our more, um, adult side of our puppetry stuff, uh, which tends to be mostly me and a puppet because Chuck's playing the puppet and I'm playing the fun woman. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's primarily me, but it's also Chuck. Mm -hmm. So it's a offshoot of felt nerdy, felt nerdy. Yep. So check out Felt Nerdy. Um, we've we've launched our YouTube. We've mm -hmm. got a few videos on there now. Um, we've, we're we're working on getting some more stuff filmed. We're going to keep that YouTube going. And we're having fun with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just go to feltnerdy.com, which at this moment directs you to our Facebook page. But we're, we're working on that. We're yep. working on getting the website back up. Yep. And Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys. That's right. And do you have a closing for us this week? Every single week. I know. I've asked you every uh, every podcast. Every podcast. Yeah. Sometimes I'm ready. It's not, it's Sometimes not. I'm not. Just go with what you got. Meow. <laughs> okay. okay. I don't know. <laughs> That's a king. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us, everybody. You, uh, join us Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. We go live talking about Star Trek. And then you can, uh, if you missed the live show, you can watch it uh, after the fact on YouTube. Add your comments anyway. And you can find us on any, any of your podcasting platforms and thank you guys for joining us in the comments thanks everyone appreciate it thanks everybody all right you could have gone with whoopsie <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.